<laughs> Hello. Hello. And welcome to another episode of Tacos and Tequila. I'm Peyton. I'm Sydney. And I think we're bringing another fun case to you. This is definitely a fun one for sure. Well, so I use the term fun, I feel like very loosely, but usually when it's like ghosties, cryptids, I feel like it's applicable. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And I'm sure, Sid, you can attest, like, there wasn't much research to be done on this. No. But I I will get to it, but I uh, watched something on it. And I think that adds a little more uh, information for us. <laughs> yes, you told me you were going to watch something. So I'm excited because I saw that there was a handful of like different things out there. So yes. I'm interested to see which one you watch. Yeah, so I actually, there's a lot. You can also, this case, you can find a lot of like YouTube videos. Yeah. And we'll get to that. I was going to try and watch some more YouTube videos, too, but I just procrastinated too much to also watch hour-long YouTube videos. So, uh, but we'll we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Perfect. <laughs> Before we dive into this case, is there any, like, true crime news, anything you want to cover? I didn't really look into anything, to be honest. I no, I don't feel like I've really seen anything, like, about the cases that in particular we've talked about or anything that really stuck out to me this week that I've been invested in. So, yeah. No. I was going to say, I haven't really seen anything that we've talked about being covered or any updates for us, so. And we're a, <laughs> we're a few weeks out. Um, <laughs> it's also I mean, true. That- We're, like, literally recording this episode probably three weeks before it'll come out. So, I guess if in the meantime anything new comes out, maybe we'll insert it at the end or do a little quick update, whatever. We'll figure it out. (laughs) That'll work. Awesome. Well, I guess I will just dive right into it for us. The history of state-run hospitals or sanatoriums in this country run deep with many wounds associated with this concept. As one would presume, the history of death, neglect, and sometimes just outright abuse leaves a blemish on the property. And quite often, there is residual energy there, even paranormal activity. One such property question is that of the Indiana State Sanatorium that until recently, no one really knew what was going on there. We have talked about a sanatorium or asylum before, the Eloise Asylum, Uh, and I think this one has a pretty similar, like, parallel history. I think a lot of state-run hospitals or sanatoriums, asylums, I think they all kind of take a similar path. So, in 1905, the state of Indiana appointed a board or committee to look into the potential need of a state-run institution, which was pretty customary at the time. By 1907, a budget was set aside to purchase the land, and another committee was formed to decide where this hospital would be located. It was determined to buy 504 acres of land in the city of Rockville, Indiana. That's a shit ton of land. Like, I like how it's exactly 504. Yes. 
Every <laughs> source I could find said 504. That's like very exact for no reason. Literally, super exact. <laughs> that That's a lot of acreage. Just so like, I mean, I'd be happy to live in the middle of like nowhere with no near, new, not no new, no close neighbors. And that's like on an acre of land. <laughs> it's like my goal to start 500. That's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> In 1909, the funds were requested and construction started to begin not only to build the hospital itself, but also an administration building, a powerhouse, and two pavilions on either side of the admin building, basically one for men and one for women to live. The hospital would become known as Indiana State Sanatorium, otherwise known as the Indiana State Tuberculosis House. The main hospital wards had long porches, which stretched the entire length of the building to allow for maximum exposure to fresh air, which was believed to be a common practice and treatment against tuberculosis. TB treatment was the main reason for opening this hospital at the time. I actually read by the 1930s, like Southern Indiana was one of the worst places for TB in the country, which is, like, shocking. (laughs) But so at this point, it's like a steady increase of TB patients and deaths and things like that in the area. So they're trying to create a state hospital or a state-run place for these patients to be treated. If we fast forward only two years to 1911, the place was not only open, but completely self-sufficient, including a farm and workers to provide for it. Again, very similar in the Eloise uh, asylum situation. You know, it's like a whole little village that like of their own mini town that was created. They're pretty self-sufficient. They're not relying on outsources for food or things like that. I mean, they have buildings on site at this point to house employees as well. And by 1918, a school was added to the property. And in 1922, a home for the school superintendent was added, as well as two bungalow homes for physicians to live in. So... By the mid-20s, <laughs> this place is literally its own village. It was owned and operated for more than 100 years in various capacities and was quite literally obscured in the woods and hidden from view. I mean, even now, I guess you got to, like, think of everything's a little overgrown now. But, you know, passing by on a very secluded road... The trees obstruct views to the buildings for the most part. You can't easily see the property. Or if you do, you catch glimpses of it. Even, like, people who live in the community outside of this property, they avoid it. They don't really see it. It's just kind of there. And uh, it was described as, like, a ghost town now because these big buildings just kind of sit there. There were, as expected, many major property changes over the years. One of the big additions took place in the 50s when a chapel and a new five-story housing building known as Adams Hall would be added. The housing building would later be converted into a psychiatric hospital on this property as well. 
The hospital was known to be successful in its treatment of TB after a while, and the overall mortality rate at the facility decreased drastically. I heard a lot of conflicting and read a lot of conflicting reports on this, so I just want to clarify that at first everything I was seeing said mortality rate was decreasing and it was pretty successful. I mean, everything did say at one point there was like a wait list of four or 500 plus people to get into this place because they were considered successful. However, some reports said it was basically based off location that they took people. You know, it didn't matter whether you were the best case or the worst case scenario. Other reports said their mortality rate numbers were skewed because they did only accept patients that were like their cases were deemed favorable to recover uh, from TB. So I'm not quite sure (laughs) what is accurate. At one point in time in the beginning of the facility, there was a mortality rate of about 80%, which sounds really shocking and crazy and scary, but I think that was pretty normal with TB, to be honest. I think so, too. I also think this is something, like, anytime there's any sort of, like, epidemic, it's really hard to say the stats on it because I feel like a lot of the time it does go based off of, like, who they're able to cure or, like, I don't know. Because even with, like, COVID, I feel like some of the stats are screwy. We can even, like, literally look at COVID as an example because uh, they were, like, reporting people as COVID-related deaths when they'd go in and have a heart attack. And, yeah, that might be a contributing factor, but that's not what killed them. Or, like, they had other underlying health conditions that they were in the hospital for already, and then they got covid And (laughs) I don't know. I just think, or maybe they died from something, but they had COVID at the time. It was just like we could see that the numbers were skewed. And I think that is like a great example like you brought up. So thank you. Because I was so confused with the conflicting reports. Yeah. And I'm sure like with tuberculosis too, like there was so many other like major epidemics around that time too. But plus you just have to put into perspective, like your typical flu, your typical, you know, people having heart attacks. Like if they had any trace of like tuberculosis, that's probably what it was going to end up being. Absolutely. And that's, I think that's why like, it's really hard to talk about the mortality rates or how successful hospitals were or anything like that. Fast forward a little bit to the late 1950s, a discovery for TB treatment and a cure to the disease was discovered. So as time went on and people are getting their proper treatment, the number of patients drastically fell. I think this was really similar in the Eloise case we talked about, and it's really similar to a lot of state-run hospitals or sanatoriums at the time. The large facility could no longer remain open because of their (laughs) plummeting number of patients being admitted. So in 1968, the place was officially shuttered. However, this place would only be closed for a handful of years before private investors and the state planned to repurpose the complex. The idea was to transform this large property that the state owned into an assisted living facility or a nursing home with the assistance of these private investors. Specifically, the goal was 
replacing the old TB ward and, like, the sanatorium building by updating it. They didn't want to take it down and, like, destroy it completely, but to, you know, renovate it quite a bit and adding any additional residential buildings to the property. By 1978, so only 10 years after the place was closed, the transformation was complete and the new facility was opened, now being known as the Lee Allen Bryant Healthcare Facility. Yet again, though, there was a lack of patients at this facility. It was not like the nursing home assisted living facility was not taking off the way that they anticipated. And so another solution came up with the state by the state and the investors were to start transferring patients from other state mental institutions here. Now, notice I said mental institutions. This was a slight problem because it began mixing patients considered mentally ill and those deemed mentally ill by the state and those just needing assisted living or like nursing home assistance. So definitely quite a quite a mix of people and patients on this property. As one would guess, the mixing of patients gained a lot of negative attention and publicity, especially as various accidents and, tra- and tragedies occurred due to the mistreatment and ill conduct on the property. Many facilities at this time, even now we see this like with mental health workers or mental health facilities or nursing home facilities. Unfortunately, it's like a huge tragedy that these properties are understaffed and the staff tends to, that is there tends to be undertrained or not properly trained. And that was the case here. In 2006, a patient would go missing from the facility and would later be found dead in the surrounding woods. This was not uncommon. There were a lot of reports of people escaping and that's like in air quotes because we don't know if they were actually like required to be there or they were just trying to get away. We have no idea. Uh, And they would be found in the woods sometimes wandering There are accounts of potential drownings in the nearby river or stream on the property or hanging from trees or all sorts of crazy things. This is the first one I could find that confirmed this. In 2009, a disgruntled employee actually shot and killed another co-worker in the facility's powerhouse. And then he actually turned the gun on himself and took his own life. So not only are all of these other things occurring on the property over the last, you know, almost 100 years since this place has been open, now add a murder-suicide of staff on property. In 2011, the facility would officially lose its license. And by 2012, the doors would be closed for good. And closed it would stay, at least for roughly eight to nine years again. (laughs) When the place closed, people literally left, like, everything behind. Uh, It was like a ghost town in this own, like, mini village. Literally as if everyone just, like, got up and left one day. There are clothes, family heirlooms, furniture, family pictures, dishes, like, (laughs) board games and, like, rec rooms it's wild 
how much shit was literally left behind. I never understand that, like, how people just, like, full-on, like, abandon things and, like, they don't take anything with them. Like, I don't get how that happens in 95% of cases. Yeah, and so I don't think it's very clear because when this place closed, a lot of the people in these facilities were moved to other facilities. So I'm confused that, like, if you're a nursing home resident, why wouldn't you take your stuff with you? Like, furniture? Okay, I get Maybe, but, like, also this being a state-run hospital, why didn't you try to do some sort of, like, estate sale or, like, peace, you know what I mean? Peace sell things off to, like, make some of your money back? I guess I'm just really confused. And I feel like this is not an uncommon thing where everyone just, like, picks up and leaves and it's, like, there's all these things. And I'm, like, (laughs) what is going on? Like, why did you not think to grab? I mean, I guess... If there's, like, people that passed away or something, that would make sense. But there's just a lot of unanswered questions for me. Yes. Well, and I'll get more into this because I have another comment about this when I get to one of the things I watched. But (laughs) uh, in December of 2020, the property was actually purchased. And the owner, it's, like, one main owner, but there's, like, a handful of people involved. But the owner operated opened it with a plans to redevelop the complex into a mixed-use facility. Basically, nowadays, there are active tours on the site given with a variety of options. So, first option is day tours. You can either do a self-guided tour where you can roam unattended and go into the buildings, or you can do a guided tour during the day through the buildings and learn about historical and paranormal information on the property. There are also flashlight tours, similar to the guided tours, but done at night and by flashlight only. There are public investigations led by an actual paranormal investigator. You can, like, basically they'll take you inside buildings. You can rent equipment to use with these paranormal investigation teams. And then when you get to a building that they lead you to, you're basically free roaming in the building to experience your own things. There are overnight accommodations available with rooms slightly renovated for those who stay overnight. You can rent, like, a single or double bed. (laughs) You can rent a room where you basically just set up your own sleeping bag, air mattress, or, like, cot. (laughs) It's, like, kind of wild. And then they do private investigations as well where you can rent out for a group. So there's a lot of different things that they are doing on the property. They had, I went to their Facebook page. It looked like they have some sort of like covered bridge festival coming up for like spooky season. They did some sort of like, it was like ISS. So like Indiana State Sanatorium con, con, like a convention. They had vendors there and like open tours. I don't know how that went, but it looked like it happened recently. So they are doing a lot of stuff to try to, like, gain traction. They do currently run a website. It's called thesanatorium.net, and it's where they talk about, you know, who they are, their ideas, the individuals behind it all. You can schedule tours there. And they have a lot of links and information on various YouTubes and TV shows where they've been featured. That is one of the biggest things, I think, since these owners took over They have been pushing, like, the whole paranormal aspect of this. 
and they have welcomed everyone. So I actually came across this place uh, from a TikTok live. <laughs> and Ooh. I think, Sydney, remember I sent you the place with like the carnival or like yeah. fairgrounds? So that page actually did a live like overnight tour at the Indiana State Sanatorium. And I was uh. like, I've never heard of this. I'm a big fan of, like, looking into the sanatoriums or state-run hospitals. So I was like, let me see what this is all about. <laughs> and they have done so many things. Only in the last, like, year and a half, I would say. Year and a half, two years. To get this information out there about the paranormal investigations. And they're featured on so many different YouTube channels or TikTok lives, Facebook lives. Like, there's so many different things they offer. Which is why I was like, wow, there's a lot of stuff out there for so little time that they've been, like, doing this. <laughs> and I couldn't watch it all. <laughs> so I took my pick. And I actually watched Destination Fear on this <laughs> And so, for those of you that don't know, Destination Fear is a show on the Travel Channel. Basically, a brother-sister duo and, like, two of their best friends tour the country on, like, a road trip in an RV. They camp out. Like, they investigate at night and then camp out there and sleep. They're supposed to sleep. <laughs> That's in air quotes because they don't usually sleep. In the property where they're investigating. And, like, a person, one of the four will pick where they're going. I actually had never watched the show before. I knew about it, but I had never watched it because I think You've we've talked about You've never watched it? Okay, well, I think we've talked about this. I don't really do, like, those ghost hunting shows. Like, I don't really like them. <laughs> I guess. This is, like, one of the better ones, I think, compared to, like, okay, so I ghost have, adventures. I gave a summary. Yes. <laughs> I gave a summary uh, at the end, but I, like of my thoughts and opinions. <laughs> um, but I kind of walk through like what they did. So they visited mid-May 2021. Destination Fear was the first paranormal investigators to ever step foot on this property and explore the property. There were literally no accounts of hauntings or ghost stories prior to this. So mind you, the, cur the current owners who own it still to this day, they bought it in December of 2020. <laughs> so only, you know, five, six months later, Destination Fear is out. They were the first people to set foot on the property besides the new owners since the place closed. They said, obviously, this was a first for them to do on the show because usually they go to places that have accounted like uh, an actual history of ghosts or some sort of accounts and they didn't. I mentioned that everything was pretty much left as is and like a bunch of stuff was left. They actually commented that that was the first place they've ever went to that had so much stuff left behind. And they've done like asylums and sanatoriums before. And they said they've never been somewhere where like so much stuff was just left behind and abandoned. So I do have some notes for those of you that might want to check out the show. I recommend it, but I'm going to give you kind of a summary of like what they experienced. So uh, if you want to fast forward, I won't take it personally. <laughs> so the first building they explored was like the original main sanatorium. 
they kind of walked around, looked at it. Obviously, they're doing it at night. It was like a rainy, <laughs> mid-May crappy day, like thunderstorms outside. So that added to it. Uh, but they ended up finding, going into the basement and finding tunnels, <laughs> which span for miles under the property and connecting various buildings. So when certain buildings were built back in the day, they were adding tunnels. And a big part of it was the tunnels were used to probably transport dead bodies during the time of TB to ensure the other patients didn't see the constant flow of bodies coming and going. They believe that during the reinvention times, this was also probably used as a big hotspot for neglect and abuse and like the reports that were happening there because that's just the history of tunnels in most facilities like this. So they ended up going to the tunnels, very creepy. <laughs> uh, they didn't, there was like limited activity that they saw. So they used an ovulus, which is basically for those of you that don't know, a like, I don't know, it's not like a digital recorder, but it's kind of like a recording device that will pick up things and it can use like one word at a time so you know they're talking to see if like they could pick up any words being said around them the only words that they they heard were beat like b-e-a-t and that was when they were asking questions about like what used to happen down here uh so applicable because that's kind of what was suspected anyways and a peer was used when they were asking if they would show themselves or something like that. But they had thermal cameras the whole time and they really got nothing. It was very limited what they were getting. Next, they were walking to the nursing home on the grounds. And mind you, again, this is 504 acres. So it's like massive. And so they were like, uh, we'll get out of the tunnels and walk outside to the next building so they know where the fuck they're going. <laughs> And they were walking past one of the residential buildings. I believe it was Adams Hall, but they don't know for they didn't say for sure. On the thermal camera while they were walking past and around this building, they were not planning on going into this building. A person shaped hotspot walked past one of the windows on the fourth floor. So the group obviously like freaked out and they went into that building to kind of explore, but they were really getting nothing again. They split up. Two stayed here, tried to camp out on the fourth floor and use, like, a digital recorder. The only things that they really caught were, like, it's at one point in time it did sound like someone was taking steps near them. And, like, so it sounded like someone was walking towards them. And when they asked the <laughs> out in the space, out in the open, you know, or is that you coming closer to us? When they played back the digital recorder, there was a very clear yes on there. Uh, but that was the only answer they got. They were there for like an hour asking questions. So very limited stuff they were getting. <laughs> Other two moved on to the nursing home. They used an ovulus again here. They got a response when asking for a name and they heard like a bang. You could physically see like wind picking up in the building. But mind you, it's like overgrown. There's like drafts. So it could have been because it was storming outside. <laughs> They split up overnight. They all had like their own sections. 
One of them, Alex, that he stayed in the tunnels. <laughs> that was the one that creeped me out the most. You and I said have talked a lot about tunnels. <laughs> Uh, I love some creepy tunnels. I know you do. And that was, it just, it creeped me out too much. Even just like watching it. At one point he starts hearing like tapping, consistent tapping. Like it'll be a couple taps, it'll stop. A couple taps, it'll stop. And it sounded really close to him, but like right around one of the curves. So at one point he's like, okay, well, I guess I'm just going to go look. And as he's taking the curve, he looks down the hallway. There's like, or like the tunnel, there's nothing there. And he's like, nope, nope, going back. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) That's why this is like one of my favorite shows because like of these shows, because they're like more realistic, I feel like, than like Ghost Adventures. Yes. I was laughing so hard because I was like, that would. First of all, I don't even want to say that would be me because I wouldn't have gotten off that cot in the first place. I'd have been like, okay, well, the tapping is just going to get closer to me because I'm not going to look. (laughs) And I've seen an episode, too, where, like, there was the one of the the girl, she was, like, downstairs in some (laughs) sort of thing. And she's like, I'm just going to sit here. And, like, she, like, starts hearing something. She's like, I'm just going to keep staying here. (laughs) Like, I'm not going. (laughs) Like... It's they're funny so, though. <laughs> they're so funny. <laughs> like <laughs> at one point when they split up and it was like two and two, the one of the other two like used the walkie-talkie to talk to the first group, <laughs> and the walkie-talkie noise scared them so bad the guy's yep. like, "I just <laughs> ripped my toenail from stabbing my foot so hard because it scared me." <laughs> And then, like, so that was actually Dakota, who's, like, the main guy. It's, like, him and his sister. So he actually, he slept in the nursing home section. And that, again, slept. That's in air quotes because none of them slept. There were definitely odd noises. And he had set up, like, a music box, like, feet away from him that, like, only goes off if something touches it. And it was going off for, like, a while. (laughs) And it was funny because when it started going off, he freaked out so hard. He, like, flipped over off his cot. <laughs> so that's why I thought I agree. It's, like, very realistic because, like, I mean, they're a lot more fearless than I would be. But I also feel yeah. like it's normal people, like, scared out of their minds. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, like, a, a normal situation with it. And, like, I have seen episodes and, like, it kind of sounds like this, you know, things happened. But it's not, like, where, you know, they're talking to people the entire time. Like, you know, there's noises, but, like, there's also there are noises that could be because it's storming or it's drafty outside, like, yes. other stuff, too. It's more realistic, I think, than, like, ghost so, adventures. <laughs> that was actually, like, my overall thoughts were that, you know, obviously nothing super crazy happened, but honestly... Yes, it was very spooky and eerie. Could it be just the abandoned property, everything left behind, the weather outside? Yes. But I really believe this more than, like, any of the other episodes. Uh, It was just, like, weird little stuff that happened. And I feel like this is weird little stuff that could happen to any group that went there and was like, holy shit. Like, if you and I went there and something like that happened, like, any of these things, I would be like, holy shit, that's haunted. Oh, absolutely. But, like, we've talked about this before where, like, the shows, so much happens and you're like, okay, this isn't real. It was just, like, little things. And so, to their point, too, you know, this was the first time someone was stepping on the property. And sometimes spirits 
don't really like welcome that or they aren't comfortable communicating and like they've never had that experience where someone's trying to communicate with them before. And so it might be a little hard to capture anything. They did say one of the things that like they were (laughs) kept like going back to. And again, I haven't watched a show, so I'm just taking everything at face value was that person that walked through like across the window in the building, which by the way, they like, went through the building and searched that shit was definitely abandoned it was not like a real person (laughs) like it was a hot spot that they picked up from it had to have been paranormal activity and the thing that they kept going back to was that how like strong that hot spot was and it was something that like when they were there that thing or person or whatever it was was not really communicating with them It was really avoiding them. It did not want to be found. They just happened to accidentally, as they were walking by, the thermal camera was pointed at, like, the person walking in front of him. (laughs) And then you can see the building around them. And so they said that that was the first time on that leg of the road trip that they picked up any activity on the thermal camera. And that, to me, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so, like, they're openly admitting it doesn't happen often. Yeah. That, I was like, okay, this is haunted. Like, <laughs> yeah, and I've watched episodes, I don't want to say, like, nothing happens, but, like, where it's, like, not all this crazy shit happens. Like, they don't pick up on stuff, or, like, there's still noises, and, like, they're still in this creepy-ass place, no matter what it is. But, like, where it's not as crazy as like some of the other shows out there where they're like oh my god we're talking to this person we have all this energy over here like and it just seems like so fake and like so scripted every time I agree so I highly recommend I like the show I'll probably I signed up for my finally (laughs) my discovery plus Oh, I love me some discovery. I know. So I could watch it through like the travel channel. And I think this is going to be my, <laughs> my new addiction because it was definitely creepy, but it was like believable. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's the best way to put it. So nowadays, obviously that was a year and a half ago that that was filmed. Since then, like I mentioned, there have been a lot of other paranormal investigations It was not officially investigated until 2021, just emphasizing. So not very many reports prior to. Obviously, one can infer that this was a sanatorium with a long history, a murder-suicide on site, lots of patient-related deaths, and many accusations of abuse and neglect. So it would be kind of obvious, in my personal opinion, that there's some sort of hauntings, residual spirit activity, something on this property. I think over 100 years of operation and lots of deaths that occurred on this property, it would only be make sense, right? <laughs> so... According to those that have investigated the property, there have been many reports of disembodied voices, occasional apparitions, and poltergeist activity. (laughs) Apparently, former staff, when interviewed, reported poltergeist-like activity in the laundry room specifically while working in the main sanatorium, which is creepy (laughs) if you know anything about poltergeist activity. It's basically, like, where they like to move shit and fuck with you and, like... I don't like that. 
and then former nursing home patients apparently had multiple reports seeing an apparition of a woman in the main sanatorium near the laundry area and office areas. So there were some things, but it wasn't like lots of reports that they could find recorded, we'll say. Disembodied voices of both men and women have been heard by many all over the grounds. And nowadays, you can basically go check it out for yourself and see what you think. I would love to take a road trip here and do it, but I would probably only do a day tour. (laughs) I honestly, I think I'm... I don't like the night stuff. I think it's just like more or less when it's dark outside anyway, you just get more scared. Like, I'm- Yeah, I think I would be on edge because it's dark and it's it's nighttime. And like the property, the location, the aesthetic of and the yeah, vibes yeah. around there are already uncomfortable. So I think I'd be going into it very uneasy personally. Yeah, you'd be anxious anyway because of all the other, hundred percent, all the other factors. That I'd probably it would just make be. myself sick because I'd be so anxious and nervous. I also think it would be really cool though because it is like abandoned and like they did leave so much stuff behind to be able to actually like see that stuff like during the day because at yeah. night with like a flashlight, I feel like you know it's gonna be spooky. It's gonna be. A creepy time but you're not gonna be able to see in detail a lot of that stuff that you could see during the day yeah I agree and I also really like that they do like day tours that are guided so mm-hmm. you can have someone kind of walk you through and be like explain the history of these buildings and like in depth and they're gonna go off of records like on file and explain like hey this building was used for this this and this here are accounts that have happened in this building or here are specific cases we can recall and I like that kind of stuff. I like the history. Yeah. And I think, like I, I've emphasized, I think, a lot in this episode, but I think the history of this property and these buildings are what makes it so eerie and creepy because there's so much, like, death and heartache and sadness, like, engulfed in there. And it kind of would be understanding and make sense why things like this happen. That's very true. Did you have anything else to add? I know I have, like, ranted a lot. <laughs> no, I think that this was good. I ex- was excited to hear that you watched The Destination Fear because I did see that that was um, one of the ones out there. I watched a couple of YouTube videos just to kind of get, like, the vibe. But definitely a spooky place, and I'd never heard of it either. So I'm happy you found this. I had a couple YouTube videos pulled up. I just didn't get time <laughs> to do all of that. And that's my bad. But <laughs> I wasn't really like watching them in depth though. I just wanted to like see it. Like to well, be able and to I look think inside. the YouTube videos are probably more like them exploring is what I got. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm really glad we covered it. I know there's like it's a little different because just like the public monster, you know, there's no like real accounts or like anything like that until like recently these like explorations but that kind of goes into like the myth like no one really knows what's there and you can they're experiencing stuff and obviously it would make sense but like there's no like reported history on hauntings and ghosts which I think is interesting because even like at Eloise there were reports of things being seen and heard and I don't know 
interesting to me. That's why I wanted to cover it. <laughs> that is that is true. It could be though something too. I mean, maybe that there was there was reports, but it wasn't as widely known. Like it was just yeah. And you gotta think like hush, it was a, it was a while ago, so maybe nothing like there were reports, you know, twenty, thirty, forty years ago, but nothing was written down and recorded. It was just amongst yeah staff and and residents at the time. So it more or less was kind of like a a legend, a story. It wasn't right. actively written about. It was just kind of their discussions, like this. And obviously, like I feel like all hospitals are like spooky. <laughs> all like, there's a spooky. Literally all hospitals, like even if it's just like you know your neighborhood hospital, it's still spooky. People still die there. Lots of shady things are going on. Still creepy. I agree. <laughs> Absolutely agree. Well, that's all I've got. If there's nothing else you want to add, you want to hit some jokes and facts for us? Yes. What do you want first? We're going to go fact first today. (laughs) Carne asada tacos were the first in Mexico. They had originated in the 1500s. Wow. That's interesting. Well, I guess... Not really. I feel like that one was kind of like, I guess I was surprised to hear that they originated so long ago, but I feel like I wasn't necessarily surprised of like, you know, that that was the first meat tacos. Yeah, that would make sense because the carne asada is beef. So that Mm -hmm. would make sense to me, I guess. But yeah, you said 1500s? 1500s are they originated. That's wild. That's absolutely wild. Speaking of tacos, uh, Sydney, this is obviously weeks in advance, but Sydney just witnessed uh, a TikTok yesterday. Um, I have found (laughs) new content, which highly recommend to anyone on on TikTok or any social social media to go follow Trejo's Tacos on TikTok. I... I think we've talked about it on the podcast before, right? That I have, like, a huge Danny Trejo yes. obsession. <laughs> we a thousand percent have. I love him. He's one of my favorite, like, wholesome people in the world. Which is so funny because he played Machete. <laughs> and, like, he's always this big bad villain in movies he plays. But anyways, True. he's such a wholesome person. Trejo's Tacos, they always are posting, like margarita or tacos or I guess the Trejo's donuts sometimes too lots of uh, content of Danny Trejo dancing and (laughs) I probably spent 45 minutes scrolling to watch the last six months of TikToks they've posted at least oh my goodness Yes, and then I wanted everyone to watch every single one and I after showing them like two or three TikToks they're like okay we literally don't care but, like, it's my favorite content. So, highly recommend. I'm shouting it out. You get a taco and margarita fix. <laughs> That's all. Do it. <laughs> Sorry, I'll let you tell your joke now. But speaking of tacos. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> what did critics say about the new film, War of the Tacos? Oh, no. What? It was a rather hostile taco-mentary. 
Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Good. The documentary really st- stood out to me. I was like, this needs to be used. That's so funny. I was actually just looking at baby clothes because I can't help myself. Uh, and it was this cute little onesie. And it was like, if you don't like tacos, I'm nacho friend. And I was like, oh, my, oh my God, God. My, child, my child needs this. <laughs> That's punny. I love a good punny. <laughs> Yeah, it reminded me of you and your punny jokes, so... <laughs> I love some punny jokes. <laughs> I did a, a demo recently, and it was for Engine Gin, and it's in, like, a little, oh like, lighter fluid-looking can, like, engine oil, and I was literally just kept saying, it's punny, it's punny, and these people are like, what is going on? Like, They're probably punny. like, what is wrong with this girl? <laughs> it's punny. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny. I love that. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Well, folks, check us out and find us on social media. We have a Facebook page, Tacos and Tequila Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at just Tacos and Tequila. We also have a website, tacosandtequiliapodcast.com. Links to all of our episodes on Spotify can be found there, as well as sources, fun baby pictures. I should probably post, like, a new blog update soon. Um, And I'll actually post something uh, about our recent case uh, that we covered about Tammy. I know this is, again, a month in advance, so it'll be... About a month after the two-year anniversary when this episode comes out. So, please just keep sharing everything on social media and help get attention on that case. Yes. Share, 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 share. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, make sure you leave a rating and review. Helps us get noticed. It's really cool to see what you guys like. And it just makes us feel great. Oh, agreed. Positive reviews make our day. (laughs) I love it. Well, I think that is all I have said. Am I missing anything? No, I think we got it all. Sweet. Then I guess we will talk to you folks next week. Bye. Bye. Ha 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 ha!